Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. I know times are tough these days. It's really hard for people to find a good deal at the grocery store. So when you see a good deal, particularly for something like seafood, I'm sure your first reaction is, wow, that's an amazing deal. I'm going to grab that. But maybe we don't stop and think often enough about, well, why is that such a good deal? How can we afford to have seafood at those prices? And those are uncomfortable questions because the answers are also very uncomfortable. And this is something that our next guest has been researching. Ian Urbina is with us now, Pulitzer Prize winning investigative reporter and founding director of the Outlaw Ocean Project author of the New York Times article, North Korea's Forced Labor Program, and Ian is with us now. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Ian, is this an uncomfortable question, do you think, for a lot of people? Yeah, I think it's uncomfortable for two reasons. One, it's often difficult to get a clear answer because supply chains are so distant and tangled and opaque. So even if you ask the question, can you get the answer? And then two, often when you do get the answers, they're pretty dark because such you know savings often come you know at the price of human rights and environmental laws so how did you approach this you were going to write about this about is it the cost of seafood is it how the seafood gets to market like where did you even start you know so um, we wanted to look at who the biggest player on the world's oceans is and if we're really focusing on the high seas or international waters the answer to that is unequivocal. It's the Chinese fleet. You know, they're bigger by a factor of 10 than the next largest fleet on the planet. And a lot of seafood in Canada or in the US, um, even if it's not coming off Chinese ships, it's processed in China. So then we wanted to look at China and ask questions of, you know, are there worries about um, human rights and, and uh, environmental abuses in that supply chain? And as we dug deeper into the factories themselves, the processing plants, we started discovering, you know, endemic forced labor in the form of North Korean workers and Uyghur workers. And given that we are talking about North Korea here, it must not have been very easy to be able to find any kind of information. Yeah, I mean, China is um, a black box, journalistically, um, hard to penetrate, hard to see in it. And the Hermit Kingdom, North Korea, even more so, um, what we focused on was the state transfer of thousands of workers, most of them women, from North Korea into China to work in these plants. Uh, and, you know, it took quite uh, elaborate sort of covert system of journalism with a big team in North Korea, in South Korea, in uh, the US and in China to sort of piece together interviews with uh, dozens of these workers themselves to find out what was going on. Can you give us an idea of the scale and the scope of this enterprise? You know, the US State Department um, estimates there are about 100,000 North Korean workers in China. Again, remember that this is a big deal because in 2017, the UN Security Council uh, issued sanctions and essentially said it's illegal for um, any countries to use North Korean labor. Uh, so 
to discover 100,000 workers in China in various industries is a big deal. It's a big problem. Um, what we found was uh, large numbers of these workers are in an industry, namely seafood, that wasn't known before. We knew about logging and construction and textile, but no one realized that seafood was also a big player in this labor transfer. And again, the situations uh, of these women you know, they get transferred into the country. They're in locked facilities. They are not allowed to leave. They're not allowed to talk to any outsiders. Um, they work brutal hours. Most of their wages are taken by either the Chinese government or the North Korean government. And what was very new and very dark was that in the interviews, it was revealed that um, most of these women had experienced uh, severe sexual abuse rape uh, by the managers at their plants. What strikes me, Ian, about this and how different this is, is that we're not talking about what's happening on the high seas here. We're not talking about the kind of lawlessness that we've read about before in terms of how the seafood is harvested. This happens after the seafood comes to port, doesn't it? It does. I mean, and, and it speaks to the bigger point that you made at your opener, which is that, you know, in our globalized economy, we get things, whatever they are, you know, our iPhones, or our Nike shoes or our seafood impossibly fast and impossibly cheap. But the, there's a reason for that, just as you said. Um, so, um, and, and this is what this investigation discovered is that because of the globalized way that we get these savings, um, they're coming from very dark places that we don't see. And, and the industry is probably going to have to reckon with that. You know, the industry being Canadian, US, French, German companies that have for too long been looking the other way um, and not asking questions about what's going on in their own supply chains, they probably have to start doing so now. Yeah. Is it possible to have that reckoning? Because as we know, all we hear about is how much more popular seafood is becoming. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly possible, again, through work like yours and journalism. And, and um, uh, I think there's going to be continued pressure on um, these companies. Um, sometimes that's just shame, right? You know, media applies shame. Um, other times it's legal. Uh, these are UN violations. In the US, there's a pretty strict law as well that forbids any import of these products. So there could be serious legal consequences for the companies that now have been proven to be involved in these problems. So I do think there there is change, but you know, this is an ongoing fight, you know, um, and um, hopefully the journalism will keep the pressure on them. What kind of reaction has there been so far? You know, this is the third in a series for the New Yorker magazine, and the first two uh, were, again, as you say, about these abuses on the ships, and then the second one was about a different part in China, a different area, and Uyghurs. Um, this third piece got a very different reaction than the first two because I think the industry, you know, hundreds of companies around the world realized that um, we have the evidence and and they probably should engage. So. In this case, we had a half dozen companies that severed ties with the plants even before we published. Once we reached out to them and said, we found some worrying things in your supply chain, they immediately severed ties as they did their own independent investigation. The, the bigger question though is, yes, that's great. That's good news. Um, but what does an independent investigation look like in a place like China where you can't do unannounced spot checks and everything is hyper-controlled and you can't even utter the word North Korean or human rights abuses if you're agreeing to do business in a place like that, then are you really going to be able to investigate on your own? That's a big question that remains. 
Okay, so clearly there's a lot more work to come here, Ian, but people definitely need to read this and be aware of it. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thanks for having me. That is Ian Urbina, Pulitzer Prize-winning investigative reporter and founding director of the Outlaw Ocean Project, author of the New Yorker article, North Korea's Forced Labor Program. You can find that online now. You should check it out and read it. We should all be asking questions about the seafood that we're eating. Where is it coming from? We care so much about BC seafood, don't we? Care so much to make sure that we know where that salmon comes from. Is it wild? Is it, you know, make sure that you know. But yet, when it comes to international seafood, do we care much? Do we pay as much attention? Find a way in, simi at cknw.com.